Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the On The Box podcast, the television show podcast on the Anfield Index podcast channel. We're back again, and this time we are talking about a show, and I've got a really good guest lined up. It's pretty much, you know him, you know him already, because he's on the last show as well, if you listen to the last one. It's Mr. Eddie Gibbs. Eddie, how are you doing? Yeah, well, Gags, uh, I don't, anyone that cares to listen, I'll tell I don't watch a lot of TV, but there is one show that I do watch, or there's a couple of shows I do watch, but this is one of them, and uh, I'm quite keen to uh, get into the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah, yeah, so I wasn't going to watch this. Uh, he's been on at me for a couple of weeks. Well, it was a couple of months, actually, before that. Make sure you watch Outlander. Make sure you watch Outlander. I was like, okay, so now you've guessed it. Well, you know now what we're talking about. We're talking about the show Outlander, and um, basically... It's had three seasons, so there's plenty to watch if you do want to watch it. We're going to do what we usually do. We're going to go non-spoiler, a few stats, and then into full spoiler mode, so a non-spoiler part. Um, Eddie, do you want to give some background on this show? Because you obviously um, you know a lot about it. It's actually shot near you where you live. And also uh, about, like, you know, it's based on a series of books, a novel. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the author, uh, Diana Gabaldon, wrote the books, and uh, I think Sony acquired the rights to make a TV show uh, five or six years ago, and then uh, eventually sold the rights to stars in the USA, and it's been since repackaged by Amazon here in the UK. So that that's kind of a little background on the distribution of Outlander, and the first series started in... 2014 so it's around just come up for four years now since we first saw outlander and in that time we've had three series of it it first came to my attention as you say and the fact that the local press kind of made a big hoo-ha around the fact that outlander was filming scenes in a little village called falkland which is about two miles from my home and since then they've been back three or four times since then filming different bits in Falkland or there's a harbour down in Kakodi or a place, a little place called Dysert near Kakodi where they, they film some scenes as well. So that kind of captured my attention. It's like, well, this big Sony Pictures, big uh, US production company are effectively uh, filming a TV show here on my doorstep. And that kind of intrigued me. And then really I kind of forgot about it until it came out. And then 
we we heard loads loads more about it in the press at that time and tourism started even booming on the back of it people coming to see where some of these uh some of these scenes were shot and it just kind of developed a little mind of its own if you like and uh really captivated the interest of the the public here in fife where i live and uh then of course broadcast worldwide and just an absolute boom i mean diana gambledon actually said that this going back to your sony pictures thing obviously she wrote it in 1993 so she's been waiting a long time and a lot of um a lot of tv uh, producers writers have, have come to her to try and make a movie out of it as well before the tv show and no matter whoever got the script the, you know to, to write this script and the screenwriters whatever they never got it right in two hours and she goes it could never become with the amount of content we have it was just never to become a um you know a, a movie it was impossible so when ronald moore ronald d moore you know contacted her i think about it all uh she trusted she trusted them and said you know yeah definitely we want you know we'll we'll do a tv show out of it this is what i've i've seen on um one of the i was just looking through youtube with with like interviews and stuff of the cast and her and stuff before season one came out they did a real big push for season one all around america it was on all the big um talk shows you know both the the main stars uh you know, Katrina, uh, Katrina uh, Balf and Sam Hoogan, is it? You wouldn't pronounce it like that, Gags. <laughs> How would you pronounce it? It would just be Sam Hewan. <laughs> oh, Hewan, Hewan, right. Yeah, yeah. Right, so uh, Katrina Balf and Sam Hewan, basically both of them were just on every single show with with the writer. And um, apparently, she, she's, they've sold 25 million copies of the, the whole series, you know, like total, in terms of books sold. And that's that's phenomenal. So, I mean, you've got a bit of the background. Let me just tell you, I'll just do the stats bit here before we go and talk about what, you know, I start asking um, Eddie some questions about the um, the non-spoiler part of things. But this show on Stars season one did about a network rating of about an average in the season of about a 1, 1.04. Um, and then, uh, that, uh, base, well, okay, let's say 1.04 million average viewers per episode uh season two did 1.08 and then season three 1.52 so a massive massive gain in season three for them and that's pretty much typical of the smaller tv channels over there uh in america that's how much you'll get like one to 1.5 million uh viewers per per episode you won't get the the game of thrones type thing on a hbo it's not it's not a hbo channel you know it's not that big but i'm i'm guessing that with it being on prime especially in the uk it'll probably be getting loads loads more uh of of exposure on there and um it, it still is quite popular they've been on comic cons they've been everywhere and and the ratings like in, in terms of like imdb 8.5 um rotten tomatoes like 90 percent like some crazy like ratings on this show so if you're if you go by those things and you think oh, i don't i don't watch anything under an 8.5 then yeah you should be watching this because it's it's very well uh like you know rotten tomorrow's everything's the, the critic the critics have given it real top marks uh would you agree with that as well eddie it's it's it is one of them that's up there in terms of how it's written yeah i think it kind of goes back to the point you made a, a, a little bit uh, right out at the start of the show there about uh, the books and I uh, trying to uh, 
potentially sell it as a movie and kind of shunning that because she saw the power that this had on TV probably around the time she wrote it all through the 90s. TV was probably never a, as big a medium then. I mean, we did that show last week on On The Box about how TV's grown and it's, it's probably needed TV to be at the level that it has to be able to deliver a show like this properly. It would have been lost. You could have seen it being one of these things that was made into a, a movie. The first book, obviously, out named Outlander as the first book. If that book had been made into a movie two hours long, they'd have missed so much out that you'd probably have never seen a second movie or a third movie or even a fourth movie. Whereas with TV, you're able to get it all in there. And the fact that TV can now be produced on a, on a level with the production level and even some of the CGI in this series that we're going to talk about, the uh, the level that they've been able to produce this show and, and, and deliver it has been truly fantastic, really. For sure, for sure. Uh, it has been, some of it's been amazing. And one of the things it reminded me of was Game of Thrones and also the the writer, you know, Diana, she she said that that's what would help them, the, the show, because Game of Thrones at the time, obviously, um, was huge three years ago when this started. It was already in its boom. Uh, it's continued that boom. It just got bigger and bigger, and and the way that this show looks feels very similar. It's not. It's not Game of Thrones at all. It's it's, it's a totally different thing based on totally different books. And but it that's what because it's costume and it's you know set in a different time. You know in the past, it's more acceptable or. At least a lot more people are more familiar with that type of look, Eddie, you'd say? Because that, I mean, that's the first thing I thought was, yeah, this, I'm okay with this. Yeah, they nailed that, definitely. They nailed the history part. And I mean, obviously, it's one of those. It's, it, this, this could cover so many genres we were talking about just before we came on air. And I mean, it goes from historical fiction to drama to science fiction to adventure to fantasy to romance. It's kind of all in there. And, Whereas you look at Game of Thrones, you would very much, as great a show as that is, you would almost consider that to be a fantasy type thriller slash drama slash romance. Maybe not covering quite so many things. It, it takes, uh, it pays homage, if you like, Game of Thrones to some historical stuff and things like that. Whereas this is actually, even though it's fiction, it's stooped around real events and things that really happened. So that it does give it some source material to to feed from which is things like the the the, the big one obviously for the first two series which was uh leading up to the battle of culloden and 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 they gave it real focus and impetus and they based they had they had, they were able to base the show on the look and feel of a time that i mean a lot of scotland as a country <laughs> it's one of those things that because it's steeped in so much history, a lot of the places actually still look fairly similar to to they did. Or if they didn't, then they can find somewhere that does. So you kind of have to take a bow to the likes of Game of Thrones for being that creative and coming up with the scenery and the and and the shooting and the shooting of the whole show in a way that was all from someone's imagination. Whereas Outlander did have some reference points and they have used them very well. Yeah, I mean that's massive. I knew nothing about any of that you know you were saying to me when we started watching it do you know anything about the the war this and that i was like no idea mate didn't study it don't know it haven't followed it and wasn't interested in it but it does it does have that like you said you, you know you knew about stuff like that and it follows it follows it closely but obviously adds its own it, it, it sticks to the books basically doesn't it she's she's researched real stuff and then written a novel about it with her own way with her own fantasy you know what I mean? Like it, it's fantasized it, but I love what you said. And then the first question was really going to be to you, what type of show is it? It pretty much covers everything that 
um Eddie said there, you know, in terms of there's there's a bit bit of fiction, uh, then there's sci fi and it's oh my god, like there's it's very, very romantic as it's, it's it goes you know, the romance is turned on during the during you know, during the whole sh- I think once it gets into season one, deep into season one, it does become very like a like a romance, doesn't it? Um, if you like a bit of Doctor Who, who the writer said she's based a bit of it on as well. Um, I think there was one one episode of Doctor Who when when he takes a Scottish guy or something, and she's based she's based the whole thing on on stuff like that because obviously the time travel that is involved in this show as well. So there's a bit of time travel. So that's where the sci-fi thing kicks in. But well, well, I got told that there was a sci-fi element, and Doctor Who's a show I cannot stand. I would never watch that show. You I know what I mean? Either, to, I, to, I, I, to, not that I can't stand it. I've just never watched it. <laughs> Well, to be fair, there's a lot of sci-fi things and TV shows that you spoke about on this podcast in the past, and uh, films completely different. There's some sci-fi films I like, but generally, I won't watch a TV series that's just out of all scope of realism, which is very strange considering I love Game of Thrones and I like this. <laughs> so there's something... I've got a few contradictions in my tastes, I'm pretty sure, it's somewhere along the line, but... The, Things have to have a grasp of realism for me to really get into them. And uh, when I got told that this was going to be a sci-fi thing, but yet was being filmed history-based, I was a bit, hmm, I'm not sure if this will be my cup of tea. So I started watching the first series as something of a skeptic, not expecting to enjoy it, almost expecting to tell the person that recommended it to me that, look, I'm not really going to bother with this, mate, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. You know what I mean? That was kind of the way I sort of set about watching it. And obviously I was pleasantly surprised how hooked I became. And a lot of the TV shows, again, that you've done podcasts on, I've kind of binge watched. I found about I found out about them after they've been fully released as a series and just done that. Well, with Outlander and the other one being Game of Thrones, from their outset, I've watched them week by week. I've never binge watched any of them. I've just watched them week by week. And they're probably the only two shows I've ever done that with. Yeah, I mean, this one I had to binge. Obviously, I caught it after season three ended, so I didn't have to wait for anything. I was able to binge the whole thing in one go. And I just want to know from you, Eddie, so we've told, we've told the viewer what type of show it is. There's so many different types of shows it can be. Um, so you, if you like any of those genres, you'll, you'll enjoy a historic, you know, the whole thing, costume drama. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's quite tense at times as well. There's war in there as well. So there's battles, if you like that type of stuff. The whole thing, there's the works... It's gory, you know, there's a lot of blood, there's a lot of, you know, she's a nurse, so there's a lot of, like, operating stuff going on as well, and, yeah, so it will turn your stomach, so, uh, witchcraft stuff, basically, you know, things like that, those are the type of themes that will come up, so if you like any of that stuff, you'll like this, and, um... So and whilst it's not something whilst it's not something people like, one of the other big themes is torture. So it's, uh, it's yes, uh, we should never yes, we should definitely mention yeah, that. So pretty so. much like you know, like when you see stuff in Game of Thrones and you, you change your stomach a little bit, I think I think we'll get there, but we'll we'll talk about it in the spoiler section, but non spoiler wise, at the end of season one, I don't think I've been so disgusted with a character in my life. Like a TV character. Oh, in terms of in terms of the villain, yeah, Randall. I've never I've never hated a villain on TV as much as him. Wow, he was he was dis- despicable, despicable human being, isn't he? I mean, yeah, and it's something as again as we as we kind of move in through the spoiler side of it, we can we can touch on a bit more. But, it's, but uh... tell me, tell me, Eddie. Then we'll get there. We'll get there. But I think it's good in the non-spoiler because people will be like, "Whoa, what?" <laughs> he is really bad, really bad. But yeah, um, proper, proper nasty piece of work right from the outset. And there's no uh, no barrier, no, by the way. You can't, you, can't is... have, 
you can't have empathy with this guy in no. any shape or form no. for anything he does. There is no, no line with him. He crosses Absolutely. every fucking line, literally every fucking line so there's no there's no morality there's no empathy there's no there's, there's absolutely nothing this is just a, an ab and and the, the way he's written is superb because it, he's just a completely despicable human being not only second. that tobias menzies who's the actor who plays jack and frank randall which we'll get to why he's got double role he is superb absolutely fucking superb in the role as well it's it brilliant because you were talking to me about watching Black Mirror a few weeks ago, and, and the one episode you told me to least to the end was the Waldo moment, which is the yeah. one that uh, which is the one that he stars in as yeah. the as a. Oh, it's, no, it's no, it's no, uh, it's no bad thing on him. The episode it was just not something that I enjoyed. No, but he's a very, very good actor, and he's oh, been in he's quite so things lately. And uh, he, he's one that he, as as much as the two sort of main protagonists in the show, we're going to speak about their performances. Really, he does outshine everyone, certainly in the uh, in the scenes that he's in. He does, he does. So, okay, tell me, why did you enjoy it? A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. I think primarily because it created those hooks and it, at the end of each episode and the writing within it, you kind of always wondered. You would sit, you would watch a scene and you said, hmm, that's different. Why is that in there? It always keeps evolving. The show never stands still. It always moves on. I mean, the locations never really last for more than one or two episodes and then they've moved on. And it can be it can be a completely different different plot a completely different story though the whole thing can be flipped on its head very quickly and you just kind of settle into sort of one premise or one area where they're taking the show and then the whole thing's flipped on its head normally with disastrous repercussions for the main for the main main characters in the show so i think it's the the fast moving pace of it, it doesn't stand still even when there's like the start of season three which we'll talk about later the uh the, the start of season three is if you think back on it you think the whole plot part of that is very slow but when you actually realize the purpose of why they've done it that way it stands on its own two feet and you just applaud and say well done that was absolutely done superbly yeah so i mean i i liked it because it just didn't stop the show's relentless with its pacing with its movement it's i mean i know cam started watching this and he said he found it really slow to begin with but i think the build in episode one, and I think he'd only watched the first episode at that point, and he said he nearly fell asleep. 
um, you have to pay attention to episode one. So obviously Cam is a bit of an idiot. We all know that alternative man. Uh, so no, 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 expect as much off of him. But <laughs> I know you're listening, mate. I had to put that in there. But uh, basically, that first episode, they lay the groundwork for everything that's to come in that season one. Everything. The mentions of historical people. Every single line uttered from from Frank and the 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 father and um uh, what's her name the maid every single line uttered from them yeah is so vital you won't you won't understand it until you go and watch it again i went and watched this the, the first episode again the other night just as a refresher cuz it's the one you forget is the first episode after the only thing you remember is the ending of it and when i watched it i was like holy shit because they allude to everything. I know there's flashbacks and stuff, but you just forget about all that. You just you take it in as you, in your stride. But the amount of stuff they set up, Eddie, in that first episode drives that first season, drives her and the whole premise of her traveling, you know, back in time, which we're going to get to now and talk about Claire, because that'll be in the, non, the first person we talk about in non, in the in the unspoiled. So let's let's move there now. So that's spoiler. That's why we like to. There's basically it's so well written is my point that they set things up for you earlier in seasons and stuff and you won't see them coming you won't see them coming later and you think ah okay then now i get it and so that type of writing is really good and i think obviously because it's based on books and it's not someone who's writing the story from scratch it's always going to be a better show for it just because the the content's there yeah and there's a few of those things that we, we understand from even three series in there's still a few things in that first episode that are still to be addressed which is uh which is quite scary really about you, you're saying how powerful an episode that really is with some of the undertones and some of the things that were said and that's re- that's a repeated theme throughout all three series is there's little there's little things that are planted if you like within episodes that then kind of transpose themselves at a later date because yeah, sometimes you look at it and you go we're, we're going to move into spoiler section now okay guys because the conversation won't be able to go on otherwise so if you want to watch this leave now you don't need to come back uh so, until you've finished it okay so don't listen on because it'll spoil the show this show you really don't want spoiled if you want to watch all three seasons you don't want spoiled so uh go now i won't mind You've given me a hit anyway. Come back later, okay? Yeah, I made this mistake on the podcast you and Dave Hendrick did on Ozark. I thought, I'll just listen a little bit longer. And I totally regretted it afterwards. So so do follow what the wise man says and uh, and stop now if you don't want to ruin this show. Yeah, go and enjoy it. Honestly, I I really enjoyed it. Every, everyone that I've um, recommended it to has come back and said they're loving it, okay? Apart from Cam. But I, I need to go back to him. But uh, everyone else has said, wow, what a show so far so honestly go and watch it um okay so spoil the hell out of this now let's do this i want to go straight in with the main character uh for me she is the main character um claire randall married to frank randall uh katrina Balfe, who is and uh, I, I am so surprised this is her first television show she is an absolutely wonderful actress um eddie i think i think she's so good for someone with an irish accent to pull off again such a brilliant posh english accent she's done so so well uh, and i just think um she pulls this off in, in every way possible um she, the, the, she is 
so so good i mean let's talk about her story because the whole story of this show is about her being a nurse in the world war uh, very interestingly in real life her grandma in real life katrina balf's grandma was a nurse in the world war as well uh, is that so, right i didn't i didn't yeah, know yeah. that yeah yeah so pick, picking these things up from watching their interviews um before the show so i've just been trying to uh, watch as many uh, interviews of the real of the actors themselves uh, as much as possible and then th- that's one of the things that drew her to the role was that she's going to be playing a role very close to her so in terms of all the stories she's heard from her grandma and her family onwards and stuff so that's been passed down to her so yeah a very important role for her she's a nurse in the world war she's with her husband we're just going to tell you the premise and um they they obviously split up they only spent 10 days together or so over five years while the war's going on to get back together uh, when the war's finished, they're on honeymoon in Scotland, and that's when all hell breaks loose. He's a researcher; he's a historian, so he's researching all the the the, the Battle of Culloden and <laughs> everything that's going on there, um, because obviously that's where it happened, where he is in that in that city. Uh, it, it it was Inverness over in the in the in the show, isn't it? That's right, yeah. It's set in Inverness, which is which isn't too far away from Culloden Moor. So that's where uh, that's where it's set. I mean, that it's it's actually a, a little village called Falkland, as I say. That that it is because they decide that it's still historical enough to pull off nineteen forty forty six Inverness. So that's why it's uh, that's Makes why it's sense. done that done that way. Yeah. So basically, he's um, so what happens is cutting a long story short. It's Halloween as well. Loads of things happen. There's a mystical. Um, set of stones called uh craig nadun craig nadun craig nadun something like that and um yeah it sounds like it sounds like you're on a desi pod all of a sudden yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> trying to be scottish so basically um very mystical rocks she touches them and off she goes she's in 1743 crazy eddie i mean just for shock value when you're watching it you're just like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> is that the point where you thought oh, maybe we'll turn off now <laughs> no, no, it was it was it was it was brilliant because obviously when she gets there um her husband in in 1945 um frank randall when she gets to 1743 she sees a, a an army officer a red coat as they call it in the show with exactly the same face longer hair obviously it's not her husband but she goes you're not frank and he goes no i'm not and he tries to rape her <laughs> Yeah, that's the first we come across Captain Black, Jack, Jack Randall. Randall. Yeah, he, uh, and that's uh, and he's one of the English officers, obviously in the uh, in the sort of red coats that were trying to sort of curtail the the uprising of the uh, Scots Rebellion, the Jacobite Rebellion uh, against the uh, the English or uh, the British soldiers, uh, which eventually led to the Battle of Culloden. So this is kind of the very start of the scene being set for what's to come certainly over the first two series of the show and uh as you said tobias menzies is playing both these characters frank in the uh 1945 scenes and then uh and then captain jack in the uh in the in the in the 18th century yeah but he's obviously not the main lead he's still just a a kind of a side he's a, he's a supporting actor in this show the main lead uh uh, what, how did you say his name? Uh, let's let's call him Jamie. Just Huan. Just Huan. His Hewan, name is Sam Huan, and he Hewan. and he plays the character of Jamie Mackenzie Fraser. Yeah, who basically saves her in that moment when she's about to get raped, and the rest of the say is history. They they end up getting married and stuff. Long story short, she 
what I like about her character, this is where you could talk about, you know, favorite characters and storylines. She's obviously gone back. It's it's very hard for a person, if you think about it, put yourself in there. How intriguing is it when you're watching the show that going back that far, two, two centuries, obviously in that time as well. I mean, everything's different. Everything's changed. And she she luckily remembers some of the stuff that they've that her husband's been telling her about Scotland and the and the Jacobites and everything. And she, she had she paid more attention, she'd probably know it all. But because she's only you know fleetingly, it's passing by. She's on a he's he's like you know when they're on honeymoon, he's telling her things. I mean, it comes into play in in episode one when she saves them from the from the ambush in the mountains and everything. It's just so well done. So, so well done. And then her, because she's a nurse, she knows things that nobody will know at that age, you know, 200 years prior. So she's able to fix, like, uh, out-of-place collarbones or whatever, uh, you know, out-of-socket stuff. And that's why she ends up staying in with the Highlanders and Mackenzies, because they're they're very suspectful that, because she's English and they're Scots, they they almost think she's a spy, a Sassanac spy, and they, they, they almost want to send her away. But because she's got these healing powers... They feel that she's worth keeping, especially as the leader of the uh, the Mackenzie clan suffers from sort of a bear, a bone disease as well. So it's a they very much want to keep her around for her healing powers. Uh, so that's kind of why she's retained, if you like, by the Mackenzies. Yeah, and she gets she makes loads of enemies as well. I mean, that's one of the the themes of early season is you know like the religion aspect against um, medical, you know, like her against science. Uh, which was which was key, I thought, in that early part of that season, where you know the the priest is pissed off because she's able to 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 cure a poisoning. He's calling it not a poisoning, but a, an exorcism. You know, like yeah. uh, and and she's <laughs> like, no, it's not. She because she went to the ste- she went to the place where the guy was poisoned, and she finds like um uh, something of the valley or something or something like that. Lily or so, I don't know what it was, but. He might. She she basically thought that they were mushrooms, but they weren't. They were actually some kind of poisonous, um, you know, uh, maybe a poisonous mushroom. Let's say, but the kid ate that, thinking it would be just a, a veg, you know. Or, <laughs> and, and and she cures him, and from then on, she's called. She's given a different. She's given another name. I think the the miracle worker or something. Something yeah, like well, that. they they kind of uh they they kind of feel at that point that which would have been the way in that time that era if you like that she's she's got witch tendencies and there's witchcraft involved. You know what I mean? That's kind of becomes the way of it when they see people healing in in that uh in that era where it's against the will of God if you like. If a priest says that this isn't natural, then the public kind of in their droves decide that that's the case. Yeah. But that's the thing, isn't it? Like her story, we're talking about the character Claire. Her story is she she gets in so many tough positions in that first season. She's trying to go back to Frank all the time, like for at least nine, ten episodes. And she's all she wants to do is escape. And it's thwarted a few times by especially one of the other characters who's kind of negative as well. But I suppose Dougal. Dougal McKenzie, one of the uncles, Jamie's uncles, um, who's who's second in command kind of thing, but runs things, I think, could you say? Yeah, well, Colin McKenzie's obviously his brother who's got this brittle bone disease and he can't probably lead by example in the way that uh, that Colin does, does eventually. So that's kind of the way, that's kind of the way it 
comes out that Dougal's kind of becoming the main leader. He's the one that's out with the guys on their uh, their adventures. He's brilliantly played by Graham McTavish as well. He's a very strong character. Uh, obviously, a lot of demons and. Uh, a lot of things that he's not officially the leader of the clan. That kind of uh, that kind of seems to grate with him, and that's a theme again that kind of metastasizes through the whole of the first two series as well. So he's another fascinating character to watch, and he was kind of he, he's like the the strong version of that that you you sometimes feel that Jamie would never want to be, but equally he would like some of those traits as well. So he's a good character and uh, she has lots of run-ins. And the reason that she has lots of run-ins with these characters and she creates all these uh, issues for herself is because she's such a strong-willed character, She she's not going to take no for an answer. It's like you say, the priest and the, and the medicine example, but there's so many examples like that where she's like, if she's told no, then she'll find a way to say yes. Yeah, she brings out the modern woman you know, angle from the 40s, which is probably where it all started, you know, equal rights and everything, all that was kicking off. And this is when she, you know, this is back in the day in 17, you know, in 18th century, none of that, none of that, there was nowhere near that, you know, so having a woman, and obviously there was one scene that I don't know if you laughed at it, when she's swearing her head off and they were like, what the hell? Like a woman swearing like this? <laughs> they, were just, they were all shocked right in the first episode. They're like, I've never heard a woman's well, enough. she got she got drunk as well, didn't she? And that was uh, another one that was like, "What is this woman doing?" <laughs> it's just brilliant. It's so good. You do laugh a little bit like that and think, "Holy shit!" Yes, yeah, she's she's nailed it. So yeah, there was um there was some really good bits like that where they just can't understand her, but she's got the upper hand on all of them uh, medically for sure, and maybe intellect as well. I suppose intelligence as well. She's probably more inte- more intelligent than the. Than a lot of them, really, because just I don't know why it's. The, I, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. Well, the, the biggest, the biggest thing is though, is that she has not just that medical knowledge and the things that she's brought from the future, but obviously she has, and what the main premise of certainly season one and very much so season two is all about is the battle of Culloden and because she's built a kinship with these people she doesn't want to see them slaughtered she knows the loss of life that was likely to occur at the battle of Culloden and these guys are so hell-bent on their Jacobite uprising and she is immediately determined to stop that however she can and you said that her big thing was getting back to Frank well the reason that changed was because of this love and this hope for this this clan and jamie in particular which is why she marries him to actually avoid that that through through history she knows what happens and she's determined to stop it however she can and in season one and season two it's handled in different ways uh on different tangents and different mechanisms that she tries to stop it but very much that is what season one turns into and that that's why she seems adamant and hell-bent to stay in that time rather than try and find our way back to our own time. Yeah, I mean, we might might have to do this season by season rather than uh, character because it probably makes more sense. But in season one, she, that's her story. Her story is pretty much wants to get home. In the end, she realizes she falls in love with um, with Jamie, and they're, 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 it's an arranged marriage between the two. But you could you could feel you could tell that both of them really liked each other, but were holding back. Uh, for their own reasons um you know she, she was holding back for her reasons he was holding back for his and obviously when she realized like eddie said when she realized she could help in some way and also her life was at stake too because that scene where she's with the red coats and with um you know trying to get away from 
Jack, Black Jack. That was very, very good, wasn't it? Very, very good scene. Yeah, I think it was set up that way to show that she had something at stake here as well. It wasn't just about just helping them. It had to be a mutually beneficial thing, and that's kind of part of why she stayed there. Where she obviously Jamie helped free her from the castle where she was being held and stuff. As the season goes, it it, it goes in so many tangents. There's no way we could cover them all, but there's there's so much happens. Where that just builds up this strong woman and this strong character that all leads towards what happens at the end of season one and uh, obviously some of the real gruesome stuff that, that you let's, see there. Let's get there, let's get there because we, we must, there's so many characters, impossible to cover them all. There's some really good ones as well, but let the main three are Claire Randall, Jamie Fraser and Blackjack Randall, okay? So those are the main, there's loads of McKenzie Clan as well. There's um, there's Galis as well, very important um, in, in this in this season. Uh, we we might talk more about her later because she, she does come as you if you've watched this, which you will be if you've seen it. She comes back later, so she's very important. But I think what 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 we should talk about is our reactions really to season one because holy shit, like Jamie, this guy Eddie goes through pretty much hell, like backstory into future, like like the whole thing, like his backstory is 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 torturous. He's, like, just tormented. Yeah, he's one of those guys that you really feel would have benefited from cyanide had it been around a bit earlier. Because it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, the, guy, the guy is an absolute and literally is a flogging horse. You know what I mean? He is, uh, he is, Captain Jack has this almost sexual desire to torture this guy at every opportunity. And uh, it's through whipping in the street, public floggings and through manipulation and trying to get to people close to him and all this sort of stuff. And he is absolutely tortured to uh, both physically and emotionally throughout series one to, uh, to an extent that this woman can have nothing but hope for him to, to try and help him. And that's what, that's kind of what stems around. But this, this evil character that we spoke about from the access, Captain Blackjack Randall, he is the absolute epitome. He is the, 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 the complete epitome, I should say, of evilness. I mean, this is a guy that, like Gag said, he's one of the worst bad guys you will ever see on TV. And he's played brilliantly, as we said, by Tobias Menzies in this role. And, I mean, right, it's all kind of paying lip service to the torture, as horrible as that sounds, you should never dismiss something like torture, but until the penultimate episode, the Wentworth Prison episode of uh, of season one, where you kind of get into one of the most gruesome and disgusting things you will ever see on TV anywhere, ever. Even the uh, flogging was bad, though. Even yeah, the flogging, when he was, you know, when he was whipping him con- continuously in front of that crowd, and then you find out the... The the that the person fainting was his dad that dies. Yeah, oh, I mean it's that is so all, tragic. There's all there's all emotional elements as well but as. But you don't. Physical. But that's what I mean. The writing is brilliant because they say, "Oh, someone faints," and they're like, "Oh, what a wuss!" People call him a wuss, don't they? Like you know, you think, "Ah, oh, wuss just fainted or whatever." In the end, you find out his dad faints and pretty much passes away. At that point, yeah, there's, there's undertones. There's undertones to every every oh, action. But, but yeah, here's here's the state of his back. And they and he said he said because obviously once they show his back is really terrible in this in this TV show they the makeup they do on his back he's actually quoted in saying that he goes in at four o'clock and he's standing there till nine eight or nine till they finish doing the makeup on his back because what they had to show was full on scars which you've seen those scars are made realistic as possible and 
he's basically doing that for five hours when he's got a scene showing his back. So you could see it's a, it's a nightmare for him. He hates it. But that was just the things they got to do, man, to show that something. That was mad. But then, like Eddie said, Eddie, I mean, we don't, I don't know if we want to talk about it, but oof, like what you just said there, it, the, the penultimate episode or maybe the final episode, whichever the two, I think it's over two or three episodes, the torture of Jamie Fraser by Blackjack. Is yeah, it's a, it's a penultimate episode. It's called Wentworth Prison, and it, it's not for the faint-hearted. Genuinely, if you if you are going to ever watch this season, and there are some bits that you could be sitting like, open watching with kids around or family around or whatever, then then fine. You know, what I mean, there are shows, but this episode in particular, you cannot let anyone see this because it's it's basically male rape, uh, and uh, and uh, this this Jack Randall who's kind of been torturing this guy through this sort of perverse sexual desire through the whole thing. Uh, I mean, you can't say that he's, there's a lot of heterosexual sex in this show as well. Obviously it's not just, there's just not, there's, it's not just this, this, this male rape, but it's, uh, you know, from the heterosexual scenes that they're, they're kind of not going to, uh, they're not going to hold back. If you like, <laughs> there is, the sex scenes are quite graphic. So, uh, so be prepared for them. But the, this one in particular, this, this scene of buggery, if you like, is, is unbelievable. And unbelievable. it's, uh, torture and well, it, the way he nailed his hand to the fucking table and shit makes, you know, almost makes his wife watch and stuff, but he, he makes a deal with him. You know, he's basically trying to break him, isn't he? And he breaks him in the end and says, look, I'm the killer. And he goes, look, no, the deal is you let her go. If you let her go, that's when I'll be, that's when I'll do, I'll let you do whatever you want with me. And that's what Captain Jack had almost got to the stage where he felt he fully owned Jamie Fraser, didn't he? That was yeah. the whole point. It was like he owned his mind, his body, his spirit. Uh, this 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 Highlander that's had all this spunk and all this willingness to uh, to fight against him. And he, he felt, I have now won, I now have control of you in every in every feasible way. And that's where, that's kind of where that episode left things. And at times, I mean, I've seen some graphic things on TV, but at times I almost wanted to turn away from that because it it was absolutely sickening that some of the stuff that happened in that yeah, episode. I couldn't. I, I I had to fast forward bits of it. It was just too much to to watch. I don't want to see that type of stuff anyway. You know, it just you don't want to see it. And uh, with the fear of someone walking in as well, going, "What the fuck are you watching?" I know you always get that, don't you? <laughs> They were out on the hills raising horses. Got, got this nice TV, and then what? You using it to watch this shit? What the fuck? You just walked in at the wrong moment. Yeah, no, no. So yeah, make sure you watch that late. Kids away asleep, and uh, well, you you you've already watched it if you you've got past it. But if you are still on this and you're you're doing a you know listening for the sake of it without even watching the show, this is oh man, I just can't. It's more gruesome than Game of Thrones. Way more gruesome. I think. The the most gruesome scene of television I think that I've seen that that ch- turned my stomach and just made me want to look away basically. So they, they and and you know what for a television show to do that, fair play. You know, uh, hats off to you that you you created and also the writer who who's already written this in a book to to come up with something like that, uh, put it to put it on TV and then do justice to it as well. Flipping heck, it's um. Wow, wow, what television, what television. You basically hate, I hate Jack Randall. Absolutely hate him. And if a television show can achieve hatred for a character, that television show is absolutely fucking nailing it, in my opinion. If it makes you feel like you hate him, 
then well done. And I, that, that's the type of thing that I judge my shows on that I watch. If I get a feeling for something, if it makes me care about it, caring about it is anything in terms of hate is, is you give a shit. If you're hating someone, you're actually giving a shit about it. And as you come to the end of season one, you don't actually know if he's dead or alive either, which is quite a good, quite yeah, a good. You don't know, but the, the, the cast, uh, the, sorry, as far as the story goes, they think he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, season two, as season one ends, the final episode is actually right at the start of the next book, the second book, which is Dragonfly in the Amber. And, uh, they kind of set it up nicely in the, uh, Claire's pregnant. Jamie's just had this scene. He's almost a broken man. She suggests a, a new start in France for two reasons. One, that they hope that they can influence Bonnie Prince Charlie to stop the Battle of Culloden happening. And secondly, because she just wants him to be away from Scotland and away from everything. So they set off on a boat and uh, and pitch up in La Havre in France, where the whole next set of storylines all begin, but not before. There's a flashback, and that's a flashback to Claire. Is it Claire basically back in her own time? There's a flashback, yeah, isn't there? back in her own time, pregnant, and Frank... Obviously, you know what? You feel sorry for Frank Randall, like uh, the double role with him being in, obviously, the other side as well as an ancestor. That's an ancestor, remember. Jack Randall's an uh, an ancestor of, of Frank's. So that's the connection, why they look alike. And you feel sorry for him because his wife's just turned up. He's He's been looking for her and he's been doing everything. He's not moved. He stayed in Scotland. He stayed there for, the for I think, two years that she was gone. And basically... She turns up and she's not. I think she shows up on the roadside, doesn't she? She says, Who won the Battle of Culloden? Yeah, it's hilarious. The <laughs> driver of that car must have thought, This maniac. What the hell is this woman doing? Like, and she's dressed in 1970s gear. What the fuck, man? Sorry, 1700 gear. What the hell, man? So, yeah, she goes back. And obviously, I mean, it's very interesting. The whole of that scene, you know, that, 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 that episode where she's, you know, look searching for him. Basically, the maid says you're searching for ghosts, you know. I thought that was really interesting. She's trying to see if he's alive or not, and she can't. So, obviously, she gives up, and um, she's advised to give up on Jamie, and she thinks Jamie's dead. So, that's why she doesn't go back at that point. You know, she thinks he's dead. And remember, what we've learnt now is that these two things are going side by side. So, for her, whatever special power she's got, that's one of the mysteries of the show. We don't know. Why she's one of the only people that can go there. Galis, that we mentioned earlier, is the other one who apparently dies in season one because they're both basically they get themselves into a bit of trouble where they're witchcraft, they're, they're, they're accused of witchcraft, and Galis admits to her that she's from 1967. So that's where Claire's like, ooh, so there's two of us now. But obviously, she can't talk to her because when she finds out, she's pretty much burnt alive. Also, we're told. We'll get to, uh, we'll get to that a bit later. But so, at this moment in time, we're thinking she's the only one. Why does she have this power? What's going on? Can anyone else go back and forth? And basically, she says, and what we do know, 100% know is that both those timelines are going in parallel, aren't they? So if she spent two years over there, two years have gone over here. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's a much bigger one as as, as series evolves, obviously with series three, but it's uh that that they run completely parallel. If she's gone for that time, she comes back. That time's gone. Yeah, but she can travel at any time, and she'll be gone for the same amount of time. So, for example, she's if she went back immediately through those stones again, it would have been like she didn't even go. You know, she would have been back in five minutes. Yeah, so it would have been yeah. five minutes. Later. But if she goes back to those stones 
10 years, 20 years, 30 years time, in the in 1700s, it would have been 30 years ahead as well. So that's what we're trying to, I mean, that was the interesting part, I thought, for me, how that worked. So um, obviously that's down to the writers and stuff, but it'll be interesting to find out why. Because I mean, that's definitely one of the mysteries for for you, isn't it? Or me, uh, for everybody, isn't it? That um, Why is it her? Yeah, and I don't think that one's been answered Oh, I don't even, think clo- it be. even close yet. That's one that will... I think that one is going to come out, but I think that that it'll be very much left for the final book. I don't think we're going to get the answers to why she can do it yet. I don't think that we're, we're ready to get those answers yet. I think there's How still many books a lot are we of stories to be told. go to season three as well? Well, season season three is based on the book Voyager, uh, which was... The, it, it's actually run... I think they do, they do overlap a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I think that the season four, that's the one that's not out yet, the next one that's being filmed just now, that's on Drums of Autumn. So that was the 1996 book. And then after that, you've still got the books, The Fiery Cross, uh, A Breath of Snow and Ashes, An Echo on the Bone, and the one that just came out not so long ago is written in My Own Heart's Blood. So there, there's a few books still to come, so there's a few stories to be told. So she's done three seasons and there's three books done? There's Well, there's... The fourth season's apparently almost finished shooting, so that they're not far away from that, and that that is effectively four books. Although there are there is overlapping, and apparently the the TV show has embellished a lot on the books, to certainly in some of the stories. So that's my understanding. I haven't read the books, so I, very, I can't... very interesting though, because there's going to be a ninth book. So are they expecting nine seasons? That would be very very interesting. If they do, if they, I, I don't think stars have ordered from Sony a fifth or a sixth season yet. Right. Uh, so I think that's still to happen. Obviously, we know we're getting a, the third and fourth season were confirmed at the same time, and obviously we've still got the fourth season to come. But the fifth and sixth season haven't been uh, haven't been ordered yet. But obviously, there, there's a hell of a lot of source material there to use. Yeah, you'd think that they'd, if if the ratings keep going up like they have, they'd probably go they'd probably go ahead. But yeah, anyway, back to back to where we were at with um with where the story was moving. Yeah, I mean characters in characters in um. In season two, then uh, Bonnie Prince Charlie, you mentioned there. I I didn't like him at all. He, <laughs> he came across as a wuss to me. I wanted to slap him one. Another one that's in Black Black Mirror as well. Uh, he plays the, the uh, in season four. He plays the 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 lad that's murdered by the architect woman. Uh, so and, oh, and yeah, it's, ama- it's, it's amazing the crossover on these two shows. Uh, the, the the amount of people that star in in both of them, but. Uh, <gasps> Bonnie Prince Charlie is uh, obviously a mythical figure, a real figure, uh, but so many stories we don't know whether they're true or they're not uh, in Scottish history. But he's the the lad that they say was born to be king and had the throne kind of struck from his grasp. And he hardly ever lived in Scotland actually uh, his whole life, but he did. He was the person behind this Jacobite revolution, and that's one of the reasons why they went to France and why they went to Paris. Jamie wanted to confide with. Bonnie Prince Charlie to try and stop the Battle of Culloden from ever happening. That was their whole thing. And when they realised that Bonnie Prince Charlie wasn't going to step away from it, then their their whole the whole premise of season two is to try and cut off his funding. That what they want to stop the funding that uh, that King Louis of France is giving to to Bonnie Prince Charlie to fund the Jacobite Revolution. So that's kind of what it's all about. And whilst that is achieved. It, and they even try and host a dinner party at times to try and embarrass Bonnie Prince Charlie so that all his French funders kind of uh, kind of go by the wayside. And there's things with the Duke of Sandringham who's kind of playing both sides to kind of see where things go. But eventually, I think it's uh, 
is it I don't even know how you pronounce this, but it's uh the Comte they call him in the show uh Saint Germain. Saint Germain, yeah. Just Saint-Germain. do Paris Saint Germain, it's the easiest way. <laughs> yeah. He's in Paris and his yeah. name's Saint Germain. Yeah, I, was Con- like, I was like, ooh. Con Saint Germain has a little line running on uh, Portuguese wine, I think it is at the mm. time, and uh, effectively he's the new confidant of uh of the the Bonnie Prince Charlie, and he's the one that they're gonna do the funding in. They get Murtar involved. Murtar, we've not spoke about him. He's a he's a very close uh, ally of uh, both Jamie and Claire. They're their best friend, and he's almost told without being told that Claire isn't all she seems. So it's yeah. uh they they don't tell him exactly what, but they do tell him things aren't all what they seem, and he kind of supports them all through. No, but they tell they... him in the end, don't they? Don't they tell him in that season two? I don't think they give him the full nuts and bones of it, do they? I think they did. They? Yeah, well, you've yeah. seen it. You've seen it more recently than me. So yeah, and then they were, he was like, "Why didn't you tell me before?" Yeah, all <laughs> right. Okay. I, I didn't think they actually gave him the full lowdown of it, but maybe I'm wrong. As I say, yeah, well, you've they seen just it, said but... to him first, "There's something going on. We can't tell you. Just trust us." And he's like, "Okay." And it's afterwards that they tell, obviously. So, um, but yeah, I think it's 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 really good because the whole Paris side. There's loads of the costumes, the whole thing. She's working in in hospitals for them. You know, she's like doing charity work. Um, she learns a lot there. She uses a baby. That was graphic. Again, and and Captain Jack was involved in that as well when he does reappear. And Claire has to p- make Jamie promise not to kill him. Yeah. Because what a scene. So yeah, it affects it affects Frank's uh, line, doesn't it? That's the point. If if they work out that uh, Captain Jack has to be alive for at least another year, if Frank Randall's ever to be born, has to die so at Culloden. Has to die at Culloden for. Frank to be born, so she still gives a shit about Frank and going back to him. So she doesn't want Frank to disappear when she goes back. Like you said, this is the reason why. And that's very, very, very clever. Like that's what I love about it. It's it is it is thinking about things in the in the show and you know, it's making sense. Like it, a little bit like Flash really, <laughs> where you can't if you change anything in the past, it's gonna obviously it's gonna make a big difference in the future. So she was making sure that 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 bloodline stays as uh, intact, but obviously Jamie can't understand. He's hell bent on um, on on revenge, but he does understand in the end. But when they've they've Jamie's hired a pickpocket as basically to to help them out, and and what he does is he's so 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 good. This little child actor, he was so cute, and he was really really good as well. Actually, good actor. He. He was able to basically slip in, slip out of places without people knowing and take stuff. Uh, so he hires him to go and like pick up paperwork and, or whatever, just learn about things whenever they needed. But they named him Fergus and he basically became like their child. And at this point, he's taken him with him to, I think one of the brothels it was. And Fergus is known. I mean, his character is built up as one of these kids that just doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. He's always messing about with something. And curiosity killed the cat. And it it certainly did in this because he ends up getting raped by Jack Randall, who's in the brothel as well. So Jamie is like, has no idea that Jack Randall's there. He starts hearing the kid's kid scream. And, it, and he basically goes in the room and finds Jack Randall doing him. And he obviously, that's rage, rage. So they've now set up a duel. And, and, and obviously duels at the time, is, as the story goes, are outlawed. So if you if you get yourself into a duel, you're going to jail, basically, aren't you? So that's exactly what happens. He goes into a duel. 
he gets a he ends up in jail. Claire tries to stop him, loses the baby. And she doesn't know why. So she's really peeved. I do mean she doesn't know why and that and that that is I thought that was such a good part of the show, uh Eddie, in, in season two. It was so tense and you felt so bad for both of them that you know they're at a, they're, they're kind of because she she stayed in hospital for ages, didn't she? And it's that guy who's the guy that helps her in the end. Oh, she's so, gonna die. It's Raymond, isn't it? That's the, uh, yeah, Master Raymond. Master Raymond. The uh, he's, he's like a, such a good character as well. I yeah, think. and it, Small it gets role, real. But... It gets really intense because they because of because they believe that Claire has these healing powers. They kind of. Uh, they give her this name, uh, is it uh, Ladon Blanche or something? Yeah. And uh, they say that she can see into the hearts of men. And obviously, the king, King Louis of France, hears about this. Yeah. And then, ironically, he puts up the uh, Count, Count Saint Germain and Master Raymond against each other. Oh, and she has to decide which one is to die. What a great scene. And obviously, it all goes back to her, you know, Master Raymond giving her a locket, which tells her when poison's about because she got poisoned once. By Saint Germain, remember? Yeah. Earlier in the show. So she's got this locket and she knows that there's no poison in either of these things, so they're both gonna live. But 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 obviously, what's his name? Uh Master Raymond. Again, another swift of hand kind of guy. What a great scene where he slips the the poison in to the into the drink. Yeah, and then she and then she knows that she didn't really kill him, but it was really Master Raymond. Yeah, but, but it's uh... hilarious. It's really <laughs> because she's because obviously she can't see her locket changing color, but Saint Germain can. That's it. And, <laughs> and of course, he should say so. It was a really, really well done scene, and obviously he, that's the end of him. But obviously, the weak twist in the tale is that she has to sleep with the king as well. Yeah, so pretty much gets raped herself, uh, willingly gets go go go, you know. So yeah, so that happens, and then they're together. They tell each other what happened in the end, story wise. But um, then, then of course, they know that they failed to quash the rebellion. So they're going uh, back, aren't they? So they're having to go back to Scotland, and uh, Claire. All the focus with Claire and with Jamie focuses on them trying to win now the Battle of Culloden, and obviously the first big win that they have is the one at Preston Pans, which historically the the Jacobite Revolution lost, so the Scots lost that. Yeah, uh, and uh, Claire. Claire immediately obviously realizes that well if they lost that one and now they've won it, then maybe we could garner power and win the uh win the Battle of Culloden as well. And I think they get all the way down to a couple of hours outside London winning battles and battles and battles and Jamie wants to go on and attack London, but uh for whatever intents and purposes he's disagreed with by Bonnie Prince Charlie and the, the higher command and then there's a retreat back to Scotland, which eventually leads. There's a few things that go on in between that, but it eventually leads back to the uh, to the Battle of Culloden. But there's a couple of other things, obviously, with the Duke of Sandringham. There's a real gruesome scene where I think Murtha takes his head clean off in the end, Fucking doesn't brilliant. it? Brilliant, brilliant scene that was. So yeah. so good. And also, they let that kid go, don't they? They get captured. Uh, they get they capture a little a young lad. That's right. Yeah, and that has that has repercussions right through to season three, doesn't exactly. it? Uh, so is that John Gray or something his name was or some something Gray I can't, can't remember his exact name but it's uh is he 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 appears in season three as well and the act of kindness obviously of letting him go which was actually done through deception <laughs> but it was uh it was quite clever the way they did it that was just before the bat the Battle of Culloden I think or it was maybe the Preston Pans one but it was uh that was that was again another story that reverberates into the future and you're kind of watching it and it's 
you're kind of watching it in, in its infancy in that part, and you're kind of wondering, oh, that was a nice little story, and you don't think anything more of it. And then it comes and bites you in the bum in season three, and you realise what that all was all about. Yeah, very well done. And I think you go into, might as well go into the Battle of Culloden then, basically, and what happens. Yeah, well, just before that, obviously, the, the big story is Dougal, who we spoke about, played by played brilliantly by Graham McTavish. He hears of the plan that the uh, that Claire and Jamie have to poison Bonnie Prince Charlie. Because they feel if they poison him, if they killed him, then the whole thing would fall over. And, of course, Dougal sees this as absolutely outrageous, being a staunch Jacobite. There's a big fight in which Jamie eventually kills Dougal before the battle. But Jamie, sensing that Claire is pregnant again, decides that she can play no part in this Battle of Culloden where all these people are going to be. And he, he goes back on an earlier promise that she had for her to go back through the stones, to have this baby in modern times, knowing full well that he was almost certain to die at Culloden. So that was kind of the way that ends. They uh, have a quick scene uh, together uh, right in front of the stones, and then she's off, and he's away to Culloden, and effectively that's where the series uh, series two draws to a close. Yeah, and then obviously season three, they're, they're in Boston. They've basically moved. They didn't want to hang around there. Claire obviously doesn't want to hang around in Scotland. She wants to become a doctor. She, she, she goes next level, doesn't she? She becomes a doctor and a surgeon even. And her kids grown up, and um, and uh, things aren't right between her and Frank. I think that's this is a bit where we see her, <laughs> obviously her and Frank now back back together again. But they just they obviously she's so in love with Jamie that she just can't get it back together with Frank. It's quite quite a shame actually for it for the, in terms of like the story, you, you do feel sorry for Frank. Yeah, he, he articulates his position so well in Zero's Three as well. I thought, you know, what I mean, that where he actually explains the situation, and as a man, you can kind of, you can kind of understand everything that he's saying. It's uh, you do, you do have a sympathy for him. That's almost uh, that 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 goes without saying. And uh, in the end, obviously, he meets his demise in that series. You don't see that, but uh, just as he's kind of ready to go and set about his own life and start a new life for his own, giving up on this woman that's had all this drama follow her around, he meets his end in a, in a road accident in Boston. And that's the last we see of him. And sort of the precursor to that was the series does start uh, at the Battle of Culloden and all the bodies on the fields. And that's where we get to see Jamie finally gain his vengeance uh, on uh, on Captain Jack. And because Captain Jack dies in this series and Frank dies, that's the last we'll see of the, the excellent Tobias Menzies and Outlander, which is a, a great shame in some ways uh, that, that, that he's come to an end. But the scene where he goes leaves Jamie gravely injured and you actually think that he's going to die as well, don't you? Yeah, and he, you know, I, I found it all so good the way that promise from um, that kid that they let go, that promise, his brother realizes he's Jamie Fraser and he's a Jacobite and he says, no way, you're my lane, you die here, mate. And Jamie's willing to die because obviously she's gone and he knows she's And all his friends, all her friends have just been either killed on the battlefield or are being executed. Yeah, being... there's some sad <laughs> scenes in there when they die because obviously they've been built up over the two scenes and we can't go into every character, but they've been built up and there's some really sad scenes there where people dying off and stuff and you do feel for it and you know, Jamie in the end. Get, I think. I think more. I think the the story now really is of how they get back together, isn't it? Jamie goes through a lot in jail. You know, he has to go through a lot through jail, and she's basically going through a broken marriage. Um, he's not really. He, in the end, he stops giving a shit as well, which you, you'd understand, wouldn't you? Uh, from from Frank, because she's in love with Jamie, and they've got a beautiful daughter. 
Who's... Yeah, Brianna in modern times obviously is uh, Brianna's their daughter, and uh, she's been raised, and obviously she knows the history. She knows that Frank's not a real father, but she still has that affinity to him. And obviously she gets close with uh, a, a historian from a, a, a lad called Roger, who uh, is a one cast very well as well. Yeah, he was really good, and that he was, was really uh, he was the one that makes it known to Claire that Jamie didn't die at Culloden and may still have a printing business in Edinburgh. So that's uh that's kind of what plants a seed and eventually uh there's loads that goes on but eventually Brianna talks her mother into giving up on her life in Boston now she's qualified as a doctor and going back to Brianna's father Jamie and uh, there's some great scenes though in there don't you think between mother and daughter yeah that really really tension filled like the bone. yeah yeah really like... good tension filled scenes when she finds out that that's not her dad uh, obviously I think she kind of knows but who her dad is. No, no, she calls her a whore and stuff. She didn't know it wasn't her dad, and I'm sure she didn't. Was no, she... not to start with. Not to start with. That yeah. came that came later. Yeah, I think yeah. it was in series two that the, the whore stuff and all that was going on. When, yeah. when they had that flashback to them being in Scotland and, and visiting Roger, uh, yeah. and when Gayless went through the stones and all that, and I think that was kind of where it all kind of came out. And yeah. series three really builds on the relationship between the mother and daughter. Because we go back to Rihanna being a baby when they first moved to Boston, and oh, yeah, uh, the whole growth port, yeah, 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 and, yeah, all, yeah. and all, all the way through it, and her relationship with almost seeing Frank as a dad. Because obviously she she's never met Jamie, she, no. she 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 doesn't know that what she knows that he is her father and that she's this two hundred year old baby, but she doesn't know that uh, she doesn't know that he but she's never met him, and that that's kind of where the see she she's very much telling her mother that now she's raised her. She's done the job that she came back to do. Then a mother must go and live her life back where she was the most happy, and that was with Jamie. So the whole first half of season three was almost these two people living parallel apart for 20 years. That was the way it was built up, wasn't it? Jamie was going from prison to prison. He was was kind of uh, on house arrest down in England working as a sort of butler or hand and got another woman pregnant and that trying to do a favor for someone. Oh my God, that was crazy. The repercussions so that they take from that. Uh, so the, the story does go off in these little tangents. So he's got a son. He's got a son as well now. Yeah. So he's got a daughter <laughs> and a son, and he's dead cute. And um, obviously he has to leave him, which is dead sad as well, that he has to leave him behind and move on. because Yeah, apparently he was just starting to look that bit too much like him. <laughs> yeah, they're like, look, people are going to notice, yeah. So you need to fuck off. like. So, so he, re- he, returns, he returns back to Scotland and eventually sets up this printing business in Edinburgh. And uh, that's where, when Claire comes back with a sort of, uh, goes back through the stones with a super duper coat that she's made for herself and all the modern fandangled gadgets, she pops up at the uh, printing shop and Jamie faints and then, we kind of go through a whole new tangent of the series completely changes on its head where they're only in Scotland together for a couple of episodes, starting to sort of see if they still still have that that thing between them and there's doubts in both of their minds about that at times. There's also a, a story where uh, with Leary and a girl that was infatuated by him at, uh, in series one, she comes back uh, and turns out to be married to him, which is a bit freaky, but... Uh, the whole thing's basically leading up to getting a divorce from Leary and how they go about that. And for whatever intents and purposes, there's a whole load to it, but they end up on a boat. <laughs> yeah, so and much then, happens. Like, he's got his own life. Now, it's dead good. It's a, it's really cool. She joins him and everything's upside down for her. Like, she comes back and she comes back prepared. I loved that. She came back with, like, a re- waterproof. She wears the same clothes throughout the whole season once she gets there. 
because she's got herself a little like belt and stuff, and she she's like got all of her equipment with her and and medicine with her, all inside like little inside pockets. Remember, she makes a costume like a superhero. Yeah, that's what I said. That's a, a special coat with all yeah. those gadgets. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good, and I like that. I thought that was dead good. And then obviously, when when she's there, the, the world's turned around upside down. But then they're off to Pirates of the Caribbean, is what it's reminded me. It does, doesn't it? It really does get, they get that way. And the show just, like I said right from the outset, it's a show that just keeps changing and keeps moving. And you're never, you're never stuck in one place with it for too long. And it was, if you put those sort of three or four episodes together that take place on the boat and then in the Caribbean, it is, it is like a movie all in itself, isn't yeah, it? It is. It was, I really enjoyed that bit. I thought, I thought the third season would probably stink, you know? I thought they wouldn't be able to continue it, but they really kept it fresh. And when you realise that Galus is the villain, my mouth just dropped. I was like, "What?" Yeah, it was like a double take, wasn't it? Yeah, but, uh, is this really her. the same? Is this really it's the same? Sh- yeah, it can't be her. No, it's not. And she's like messing around with the, and she's a she's a man eater now. It's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, she's bathing in goat's blood and all this sort of stuff. Yeah, so. and killing, like, like having sex with virgin boys and then and then discarding them. Like, what? It's like the opposite. Like, it's just so bad. Like, again, a very very good villain. I thought she was in this, and she did really well. She's a good actress. I thought she did really well in the in the um in the whole show. Whenever she was in it, in the first season and the third, so it was nice to see her back. Actually, it gave it a bit more. I don't know. A familiar voice makes, I think it always makes a season better. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and I think it was kept under wraps from a lot of the cast as well. And I don't know, as I say, I've not read the books. I don't know if she's actually returns in the books as well for that, for, for those couple of episodes or whether that was just uh, something in the screenplay, but it was, uh, it was quite well done. And, uh, you could, it kind of tied in another load of old things again, going back to the, the witch burning at the stake and what her biggest objective, which, which, kind of she was into scottish independence uh, that was her big thing and uh, the reason that she went back is because she wanted to change history so that scotland could be a free country from england that was her her big driver and she just got kind of carried away with it into the extremes uh and felt she had to go and kill a 200 year old baby which was why she was actually wanting to go back through the stones from the caribbean to kill, kill brianna which is kind of a, a bit of a, a strange twist uh, at the end that you kind of didn't see but the biggest thing in this season was that there's stones there in the caribbean yeah in the cave uh, yeah, that was amazing but it was through the water wasn't it not through the no, it wasn't through stones it was through water there it was like it was like a pool of water wasn't it yeah, in so cave? you got to go through that to get back home so that was dead weird that was yeah, that, that, I mean, again, I don't know how how closely that follows the books. It's one I would have to one I'd have to check. But one of the things that you said about it moving and and you thought that season three might suck. One of the reasons I don't think it did was because they have such good source material. I've I've seen shows in the past that haven't got books and they've just been pure screenplays. And some of those shows you really kind of feel look, you you probably knew what was going to happen at the start. You knew what was going to happen at the end. If you'd done it in one series, you'd have probably had a masterpiece. But because of the demands on TV and the way ratings work, there's a whole load of filling fillers in series in between that just get too far fetched and too silly. I mean, one of the shows I really liked, and I think it would have been great if it was just a one season thing, was Prison Break. If they'd just done that as a one season, it would have been remembered as a masterpiece. But because of the way ratings worked and the way it just got 
taken into so many stupid places that they totally ruined the show by doing it. And I, I, I don't think that will happen to Outlander because they've got this source material from Diana Gabadon. No, exactly. And like all the other things that we talked about in season one or at the start of this pod, I know we've, we've gone over time here, but when we were talking about stuff like how things are written really well, there were little scenes at the start of season three where there were mentions of the Caribbean with a couple of like one person who's um who's a hand reader or a fortune teller type thing. She, you know, the, the, her, her brother just says, yeah, I'm taking it to the Caribbean. They turn up at the end. Like, you don't know they're going to the Caribbean. Like, when I was watching, I had no idea what was going on because I've not read the Yeah, books. I was exactly the same. So, like, I mean, when they did. turned up, I was like, oh, shit, yeah, you mentioned you were going to the Caribbean. <laughs> like, that's really well done. And then in the future, in the future, she, uh, Claire, and her other surgeon doctor friend, uh, basically, they, 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 they're sent a skull that's been found in the Caribbean and the the skull comes to her and when she she feels like she knows the person she feels like she knows who it is when she touches it and like when he starts telling her about oh yeah that it got she she basically describes how she died like how her neck was cut and stuff and he was like oh how do you know and she goes i don't know in the end when we get to the end of that's mid season when we get to the end of the season Whose head does she pretty much slice off? Or face does she slice off? At the neck? She slices Galus's neck off. And it's so well done, I thought. Like, she realises that moment. They give her the flashback. Oh, shit. That's why I felt like I knew her. That and you, was, never see, was... you never see these twists coming. Uh, you you just can't. Uh, so that's where it's so well written. And the fact that they, they give you a little bit, but not enough to tip it over the edge. So the, these twists... They, they, they just creep up on you and then you, and then you're just wow, you know what I mean? It's not like you can second guess any of these things are going to come at you. Yeah. Totally agree. And I think that's, um, I mean, the whole premise of going was because we didn't even mention, we haven't even mentioned the treasure and shit that she wanted and, and all the, <laughs> and the treasure on that little island. Oh, Jamie yeah, yeah, where the little, little, um, Ian, Ian. Yeah. And we haven't even mentioned his family, like Jamie's family and stuff, his sister. Yeah, there's so, there's so, there's so many characters you but, could. But honestly, it's such a good show. I mean, I think we should probably wrap it up now. Um, yeah, just a tiny... I can give you a tiny little bit of God. what's happened with season four because it is yeah. filming round here just now and all the uh, it's all over the local press. I mean, Katrina Balfe is walking through a park and just sitting down in her Outlander costume having a coffee with some fan and stuff. It's, it's quite surreal, taking selfies on iPhones in period and stuff like that. It's, it's very strange. But series four, we do think will be out this year. Uh, probably in probably around September October time in the traditional full season of American TV, and that's going to be based on the book called Drums of Autumn. And where season three ended was with a shipwreck, and the Frasers shipped up on an American colony. So uh, I'm sure new characters are going to emerge throughout season four. And there's also the potential to load it up with a few old faces. For instance, Murtar, who we spoke about the last we saw of him, he was being shipped away from a, from a prison in Scotland to the colonies. So is there a chance he's going to pop up in, uh, in series four? The other one is Brianna. She was kind of just dumped by a mother really in the end in Boston. Some wonder, does she have the same time travel capabilities of her mum? Is she going to get to meet her father at some point? Uh, so there's all that to come. And we're obviously going to get that big twist now on American history. So we've covered Culloden, we've covered Scotland, we've been to France, we've covered Louis uh, and the King and uh, everything at Versailles, and now and some of the French Revolution stuffs touched on there. Now we're going to go to America, and obviously we're still some way short of the American Revolution, but 
who would it wouldn't surprise you if the likes of George Washington and all that uh, appear on our screens at some point as well. Yeah, and we missed the whole excellent um, part of the, the 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 shipwreck. You know what happens with them, and basically it was so bad in terms of. I I felt like that storm, I felt like that storm stopped overturning them. Like you know, like it didn't kill them off because obviously it looked like she died, didn't it? It looked like Claire died with that with that ship getting taken by the storm, and everybody. It looked like everybody died. But it was kind of like a Titanic moment when they're on this little, I don't know, wooden paddle thing. He saves her. But, um, yeah, I, 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 I thought that was really good as well. So that was a good part. I did think, shit, what's happening here? Is she going to wake up back in? Because yeah, obviously there was rumours, weren't there, that they don't die? Yeah, that was something that was kind of, that was kind of something that was always around when Galus was was executed, if you know, or supposed to have been executed. Is that There was rumours that, and I guess it's probably because as I say, I haven't read the books, but there must have been people knew that she came back within these books. So maybe that was part of what, what fueled that rumor that they can't die out with their time. But uh, who's to know? It's never been, te- it's never really been, well, it has been tested now because of course we know that Galus was killed. Yes, very true. Very true. That That's put to bed. So, I mean, also she saved. So, um, so it's fine. So they, they both rack up on, on the, on the beach shore and they know that they most of the people are saved as well. So, you know, the people... Yeah, they kind of them. got told, didn't they? They kind of got told that most... I mean, you have to think that most of the main characters like Fergus and uh, and, and and his wife, and I don't know if the... I don't know if the Chinese guy actually left the Caribbean or whether he stayed there or not. I can't remember. Uh, I did see it a little while oh ago. Oh, my God, what a character he was. Yeah, I thought you'd like him. <laughs> oh, he was brilliant. And, oh, God, that, when he does that speech... Oh, on the boat. That's yeah, and he's like, oh my God, you just want to hug him. <laughs> Mr. Weatherby or something. Mr. Weatherby, they changed his name because his name was so hard to say. <laughs> oh man, and then the guys, the the woman and the man, the priest in the in the Caribbean that she meets, the really weirdo guy. That, oh yeah, that that's, almost got, that's almost got an island to himself. Yeah, just crazy. Yeah, he Spoke to coconuts and stuff yeah, like that. Some... I don't know. If, I don't know if we're selling a good picture of the show talking about stuff like that, but it's much better than it sounds. I promise you. Yeah, there's some really good characters you meet. You know, honestly, there are on the way. Uh, well, I, I'm sure you've seen it. If you're if you're listening, you've seen it. So I hope you agree with it. I mean, if there's anyone we've missed, there was obviously um, big scenes with with that Jonathan Gray guy they talked about. He ends up fathering Jamie's kid. You know, in the end, so he he turns up back in the Caribbean as well saves him a few times so he becomes a really really important character in jamie's life because obviously he loved jamie in a different way so there was another red coat that wanted jamie you know in a, in a romantic way and he and he kind of it this is the difference between jack randall and i think jonathan gray is it yeah that's right yeah i think that's yeah. his name. the difference between the both of them is that he's able to just say you know no you know, he says no, and he accepts it. That's the difference. He accepts it and says, okay, 
no problem. Yeah, and they become they become pretty good friends, really. And whenever whenever they're drawn together, they seem to help each other as best that they can. So I'm sure that won't be the last we've seen of him. And just kind of going back to the cast there, one of the things that really struck me as well about this is for uh, I mean, you mentioned uh, Katrina Balf there as an unknown. She was a model in Ireland, and this was her first big break. Again, Sam Hewen has hardly been in anything. Uh, I mean, I'm someone that's watched a lot of TV and things like that associated with Scotland, Scottish shows and things like that when they're on. And really, a lot of these actors were unknowns. It wasn't like it was pinning its hope on a big star or anything like that. I mean, Bill Patterson's the one that, and again, people may not even remember him. He was obviously massive in uh, Ovidas and Pet in the second series of Ovidas and Pet in uh, in season two of Ovidas and Pet. That's where he's best known. But he's been in absolutely tons of stuff through the years, and uh, he's the big name, if you like. But he's only got a very small part. He plays some sort of legal clerk that they go to for advice every now and then. But he's not in it a whole lot. So it's uh, it's very strange how the show's done well without having an all-star cast, if you like. I mean, they're obviously big stars in their own right now, and uh, certainly Sam Hewen and uh, Katrina Balfour on TV all the time doing uh, interviews about this show and promotions, but it's not like any of them have diversified into other roles, and it's going to be interesting to kind of see where their respective careers go in future now. Yeah, I don't think that guy's name was John Gray. I can't remember what his name was, unfortunately, but yeah, it was something, but he... He, he, he was very important anyway. Um, that was, I was just looking for his, uh, him on, him on, 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 uh, online. I just couldn't find anything. But, um, yeah, I think there's so much that we haven't covered as well. Yeah, it's, Lord, it's Lord John Gray is his name. He's played by a character called David Berry. Ah, right. Okay. Played by an actor called David Berry. His name's Lord John Gray. Yeah, he's not in the, he's not in the, he's not, it doesn't seem like he's in the show very much, but it felt like he was in it loads. Do you get what I mean? He's not. He's only yeah, in four yeah. Well, episodes. that's it. He's only in four episodes. Yeah, but, but it's, he's got it's such the... a strong character. Like, and it, it's the way he return he returns into episodes, isn't it? It's like he's he's the prison governor, and then he's the man coming to 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 look after his son, and then he's the man in the Caribbean, and it's it's kind of he's brought back at different stages of series three, which is why you probably felt that he was in it loads because he did come back from episode to episode throughout the series. Yep, exactly why I thought it. But he's a pivotal, pivotal, pivotal character, I think. There's so much more going on um, in this show. But obviously, like I said, if you're listening, you've heard it. Uh, overall, I thought, fantastic, Eddie, so far. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll wait and see what happens with the next one. Yeah, I mean, you said to me you really enjoyed the first series and you were still hoping it would maintain, maintain its momentum through series, season two and season three, which I kind of knew I didn't give anything away to, but I kind of knew it would because of the way that the show moves. And I, as I say, I, I can't emphasize enough how important I think that that source material for, for these books are. You know what I mean? I think it's so important to have a show based around these books and okay for TV, they're going to have to over dramatize things, maybe underplay some other things to get it looking right on the screen and within the screenplay. But I think that that is why this show is going to stand the test of time. And because it's set historically, I think it's a show that will build following over time and people will go back and watch it. I don't see there's any reason why people won't do that. It's still a cult show. If you like, I don't think it's ever in the mainstream because of the simple reason that it's never really been broadcast on a mainstream channel, certainly in the UK. And it's on one of the smaller cable networks, obviously in the state. So it's never really got mainstream yet. 
but it is well known and it's there's a massive media frenzy about it because it keeps touching on history and the fact that it keeps coming back and filming in locations of historical importance as well. So I think there's always going to be a bit of a media frenzy whenever they make Outlander and we're seeing that right now because season four is in the, in the throes of filming and the ironic thing is they're filming in Scotland for something that's set in America so I don't know what they're going to do about this, uh, this strange thing called sun because we never get sun here. So uh, America's a much more sunny country, so I don't know if they're going to have to play with the contrast and the brightness a bit. Well, maybe they're doing kind of flashbacks or flash-forwards, you don't no, know. No, no, because there's not, because the, the scene's been filmed in a park just outside Glasgow last week, and you've got uh, characters all dressed up as Native Americans. Like, uh, oh, shit. If you, yeah, if you imagine Last of the Mohicans style. Yeah. Although that, that, I suppose, thinking back to that film, that wasn't sort of setting glow in sunshine or whatever. Maybe maybe they're dealing in the northern parts of America, like uh, Newfoundland and Maine and states like that. <laughs> must be. It must be. But, um, okay. Have you got anything else you want to add for this show? No, not really. And we're kind of speaking to people that have already watched it, so I'm not going to go and tell you all to watch it. But I do hope you enjoyed it as much as us. And uh, do spread the word, because I don't think enough people have seen this series yet, and I think many would many would enjoy it if they gave it the time. And like what Gags was saying there about Cam and saying he almost fell asleep in, 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 in the first episode, you have to give it time, because those early episodes set the agenda for everything to come. And as we've kind of explained throughout this, this, this overview and this summary, it's got a bit of everything for everyone, and it is quite fast-paced at times. And... Oh, we, we haven't even mentioned sex. Well, it's... we did. We did mention heterosexual sex. That's no, quite but graphic, yeah, yeah, it, the, the, it's got. It's just there's a lot of sex. There's a lot of it. Yeah, my wife is absolutely convinced that when I watch this and I watch Game of Thrones, uh, I just absolutely just need to watch shows that have sex in them. <laughs> it's yeah. like <laughs> she's absolutely convinced that I'm not watching any of your rubbish. That's what she always says. So yeah, it's, it's true. That's what the, that's what it look, feels like, doesn't it? When people watch, it, they're like, "What the hell?" Well, yeah. I, I always just say, "Look, they've done." All has been in the past. In the past hour is fighting, uh, riding around on horses in the hills, and you just happen to have walked in at the one bit where there's some sex. <laughs> and she just doesn't believe me. What? Not not at all. She doesn't believe me. She just thinks it's sixty minutes of sex, sex, sex. Hilarious, right? Okay, that's it then for this show. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. I hope um, you do go and watch it. Let us know if you do, uh, or if you did, you know, listen to the first part, go away and watch it. Whatever. Let us know. Uh, we're on Twitter. I'm on at Gagstanden or at on the box, and Eddie Eddie is at at Eddie Gibbs. Eddie, you got a plug for Liberty Shield? Yeah, well, I could do. I mean, obviously, there's more about in the previous on the box podcast where where Greg Hopcroft and myself talked to Gags about Liberty Shield and the VPNs and all that sort of stuff. So really, go listen to the previous one. But uh, one of the things, obviously, you can do with Liberty Shield is if you've got access to an American cable subscription and. Uh, you're, you 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 need to be able to go and watch stars from wherever you are. Then you can do that with our uh, VPN set to US. Or if you need to access Amazon UK, then uh, Amazon Prime UK. You've got a Prime account, perhaps, but you you're you're blocked because of where you are in the world. Then you can use our UK VPN setting on LibertyShield.com, and that will give you access to the content you want to watch on any of the devices you want to watch it on. Very very good. Very do uh, very good. Please do go sign up. Uh, if you want to set up like that, go and listen to the last episode for more information. Uh, Rise of the Machine is what it's called on the box, and uh, you, you can find it on the Twitter account as well. So it'll be all there uh, at on the box podcast. Um, that's it, really. Uh, we'll be doing a lot more of these shows. I've just got through loads of um, loads of shows. I've seen The Sinner, I've seen Uni- Manhunt, Unibomber. I've seen um, what was the other one, Mindhunter. So 
loads and loads to get through. We will be doing all those shows very soon. Uh, and yeah, thank you very much, Eddie, once again. Oh, my pleasure. Okay, and we'll see you very, very soon on The Box. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.